Chapter 164 of Varney the Vampire, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Varney the Vampire, Volume 3, by Thomas Prescott Prest. Chapter 164 The Storm, A Shipwreck at Sea, The Hapless Fate of the Mariners. The morning was ushered in with wind and rain. A tempest was howling over the main. The seas lashed the shores with a fury that made it dangerous for even such vessels as were moored, and great fears were entertained that many wrecks would be seen before the night set in. The roar of the ocean and the bellowing of the wind was almost deafening, and the few fishermen and sailors that now and then showed themselves as they came towards the shore to ascertain the safety of their little barks could scarcely make themselves heard. The sky was too heavy, and the rain too incessant, to permit them to see very clearly or very far. They could not see any ships in the offing. "'Neighbor,' said one, "'did you hear the wind in the night?' "'Hear it,' replied the man spoken to. "'Could I help it? Who is there that could sleep while such a tempest was blowing great guns? I never heard anything like it in all my life. God help those poor fellows who are at sea such a night as this. So say I, neighbor, so say I. If there be any upon this coast, if any awake with the morning dawn and find themselves upon a lee shore, they will never get off again, depend upon it. They are all lost men. So they are. There is no hope for them on this shore. Every vessel must, indeed, come upon it, and no aid could be rendered to them. You are right, neighbor. I am glad our boats are high and dry, for if they were not, they would never be on the sea again, except as fragments. Every timber in them would be broken to pieces and scattered about the beach. Aye, aye, tis an awful day. I propose, neighbor, we should make an attempt to get our boats still higher on the beach. See, the sea comes now within a few boat lengths of them. A few more waves, heaving one upon the other, will at last reach them. And if so, we are, indeed, poor men, neighbor. With all my heart, we have no time to lose, neighbor. See, the waves have got nearer yet. Come on, come on. The two fishermen hurried down to the beach, and, with the aid of one or two more, who had hurried onwards with the same object as themselves, that of putting the boats out of danger from the waves, they succeeded, and then they returned, leaving their boats, their only wealth, high above the reach of the most tempestuous sea. There, neighbor, I never heard such a sea. I will go and see what can be done indoors by the fireside. This is not a day to be out in. You are wet through in about ten minutes, and nothing to do but to look on the black clouds. No, neighbor, though I don't think indoors much better, for I expect our roof to come off, or the chimney to fall over, and must consider myself very fortunate if I do not have the whole house blown down. Ay, ay but I expect to hear of a few accidents. I don't see any vessel coming in on the horizon at all. Do you see any? None. Well, I hope there may be none. I'm for the house. Too much of this may be hurtful to fishermen. So good day. Good day for the present. I dare say we shall see each other before the day's out, if anything may happen in the shape of wreck. Safe and sure to be out. If you hear a gun, let me know. If I should not be out, for the wind blows and the sea roars so loudly that I can scarcely hear it all. 
I'll be with you, and do you the same for me if I should happen to miss it, though I can't tell how that can be as the wind blows dead in shore. It's a bargain. I'll do it. The two fishermen parted from each other, and entered their own dwellings to escape the fury of the elements, for there was nothing to keep them outside, but there was everything to induce them to stay indoors, a warm fire, and freedom from the wind and rain, though that howled and roared in the chimneys in a frightful manner. If the aspect of the affairs was bad on the land, it was much worse at sea, for there a vessel rode out the fury of the storm gallantly enough, and resisted the force of the winds and waves for some time, but she could not resist the impetuosity of the elements, though she strove hard and resisted long. She strained, and timber after timber started, masts were gone, and the rudder became damaged, and at length no hope was left. The crew was not a large one, and the pumps had become completely choked and useless, while the vessel was drifted hither and thither without any means of guidance whatsoever. She was at the mercy of wind and waves. "'We are drifting towards the shore,' said the mate to the master. "'We cannot keep her head out to sea at all.' "'I know it,' said the master gloomily. "'I know it. She has been making land for some time now.' and as we have neither rudder nor sails nor mast, we may as well make our peace, for the worst must soon come. I expected that some time ago, when I found that the wind was set dead on shore, and the rudder was gone. Surely we haven't much time to lose. Let the guns be fired as a signal of distress. It may give warning to those on shore. We cannot expect assistance. Not here, I know. Certainly not. No boat would live for a moment in a sea like this. No, I know it would not, but it may put them upon the lookout, and some of our poor fellows may get picked up, for we don't exactly know how far we may be driven towards the land, and we may be sent right on to the beach, for aught we can tell. So we might. I hope we may. Are the guns ready? Yes, sir, they are loaded, but there is only one barrel of powder dry. Let it be cared for. Fire the guns. The order was promptly obeyed, for the men had left off pumping, conceiving it useless to continue it any longer. Indeed they could not, for the pumps were no longer serviceable, and they saw the land ahead, and each man made up his mind that the struggle for life was about to commence, while the firing of the guns was a measure of precaution which might, or might not, be of use, and, as every one clung to hope to the last, the order was obeyed with alacrity. The guns were fired in minute intervals, and at length every half-minute, while the powder lasted, and then they ceased. There was not more than from fifteen to twenty souls on board, but there were several passengers among them. One in particular was remarkable for his height, and the singular pallid hue of his features. He was reserved, but of gentlemanly deportment. He was well aware of his danger but it did not appear to render him incapable of seeing and understanding what was going on, but he was grave and melancholy. "'How long, Captain, do you think it will be,' he said, approaching the master, "'before the vessel will break up, for I see that we shall be wrecked. That is no secret at all to any of us, and certainly not to me.' "'I don't know,' replied the captain. "'It is impossible to say.' "'Cannot you form an opinion upon this subject?' inquired the stranger. "'I can, but 
It is only an opinion. I can give you no information, replied the captain, who did not wish to give an opinion upon such a subject. Certainly, I am aware of that. I asked for an opinion. If you have one, perhaps you may be good enough to favor me with it, if it be not too great a favor to expect from you, sir. I thought you had experience enough to enable you to form an opinion, and it was for that reason I asked you. Well, sir, we strike in five minutes, perhaps in twenty. It depends upon wind and waves, our course, and how far we may go ashore. I understand you. If we are forced in upon the shore in a direct line, we may expect the shortest time. We may. And if we should not meet with any obstruction, we may be thrown far on shore. Yes, if we had but the means of guiding the vessel, I could steer her within fifty or a hundred yards of the shore, where she would strike, and a much better chance would then be had of some reaching the shore, which is now rather more than uncertain. It is so, said the master. At the moment there was such a shock from the vessel striking upon a sunken rock that they were all thrown down on the deck, and the sea made a clear breach over her and swept away several of the crew. The master contrived for a moment or two to secure himself to a spar, with the hope that he would be able to float off, but this was a vain hope. For a moment after he was lifted up by the sea and dashed against the stump of the mast and crushed in a horrible manner, his blood dyeing the deck for a minute, and then it was washed away, as he himself was by the same wave, and was not seen again. The master no doubt had been killed, and there was nearly all of the crew swept away, but among those who yet survived was to be seen the tall stranger, who stood in the storm, and held on by a portion of the vessel, he still braved the fury of the waves as they broke over the deck, clearing all before them. Each breach of the sea made away with some one of the unhappy mariners who yet clung with hopeless desperation, but yet they feared to quit their last hold and to throw themselves into the foam that was boiling around them. In the meantime the vessel heeled about, and every now and then, being in shallow water, a great wave would come and lift her up, and then leave her higher on the rocks, but giving her each time dreadful shocks, and breaking her keel up. The only hope the unfortunate men had was that some portion of the wreck upon which they might chance to be would be floated to the shore before life was extinct, but this was more and more hopeless, for the breakers over which they would have to float would probably be their destruction, for they would be dashed to pieces. The wind and the waves howled and roared and drowned all noise. Nothing could be heard and nothing seen, for the waves broke over them so furiously and raged so high above them that they neither could do so nor even see the shore. Nothing but a white sea of foam and spray met their eyes whenever they could raise them and free them from salt water. At length an immense wave came rolling towards them, the men shrieked as the flood came onwards. In a moment afterwards they were lifted up, vessel and all, and carried a few yards further onwards, and then left, with a report that seemed like that of a cannon to them. But they felt the shock, and when the wave left them, the vessel was no more. A mere mass of boards and other matters floated about. She had been utterly and entirely destroyed. No vestige of her was left. 
and nothing but a confused mass of planks was to be seen, with here and there a human being clinging to them for life. But alas, their efforts were vain. They sank. They could not sustain the battle with the waves and the breakers. They were dashed to mummies, and every limb broken on the foaming, raging breakers. End of chapter 164 Read by Richard Wallace Liberty, Missouri, 4 March, 2010